Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcasts, and it is my pleasure to welcome in Joshua Mitnick. He hey. is a, what's going on, man? JAMU alumni, SER at Cyberry. It's a pleasure to work alongside with you, and it's great to have you on, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing as good as any night, Adam. It's been uh, quite the day, but we're hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so... Take me back. I know it's, you know, fresh out of college, you know, feels like, feels like it, you know, recently got out, but take me through (laughs) that process of choosing JMU. Yeah, man, it's, it's been quite the turbulent few months. Um, You know, when I first came to college, uh, you know, I settled on JMU and, a few options came to mind. I wanted a place with a good program for psychology. Definitely wanted a good social environment, but most importantly, a new start. I wanted, <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted distance. I loved my family back in Virginia Beach, but I needed something that was up my alley where I wanted a new start, but also familiarity and surroundings. So JMU was a great place. And from when I left JMU four years later, um, I realized that I kind of had, I kind of had an ambition to go my own way. So um, you know, since since leaving JMU, it's kind of felt like this path. Although it's been super weird with COVID, it feels right. You know, everything that's happened in the past few months for me has felt right. So it's been quite a good journey so far, and I've just been so fortunate with the past few months of finding an awesome job, finding a good place to live. Things have gone well for me. You know? <laughs> really puts things in perspective. Yeah, man. Uh, you said it. You hit the nail on the head. Staying positive and even through the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of people who don't have that mindset. And I'm sure you have friends. I have friends who have the other mindset. Well, you know, and- yeah. And, and I, I, I need to say real quick, like, <laughs> I, I by no means want to put anyone in bad spotlight when it comes to viewing. No, the no, no. Yeah. I, I just, I just wanted to see like, cause it's, it's a challenge. Cause everybody has, everybody has their struggle. Like everybody has their life and their own struggles they do. in life. So for you, from your perspective, how have you been able, or how not just at JMU, not just, uh, you know, the past couple months, but was there something early on, that you know or you know early on that you early on in your life that was like this or that you saw that was like wow I want to emulate that and keep that positive mindset yeah um you know I, I can't really define a very specific moment but what I can tell you is it feels like my whole life kind of prepared for something like this and I put it into perspective uh I've, I've noticed being positive isn't about putting a smile on and viewing things like it's going to be okay because you have to recognize that things don't always go your way. You have to recognize that. And it's not easy thinking if you're in a good spot, you know, look at people with depression and anxiety, you know, people like that, they recognize that they're privileged. They recognize they were born the good life, but whether it's chemically or something deeper, something's not right. You know, like some people, 
it's not because they choose not to, but circumstances cause that. So, you know, my, a lot of my perspective has come from recognizing my own feelings, recognizing people around me, how happy I am to be where I am. But early on, I've, I never, I never really recognized how grateful I was. You know, I, I never really appreciated how both of my parents were around the whole time, still are today. Knock on wood. That's um, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, for that. just at my, my whole past has kind of given me context. But while I went through it, you know, I w- went with the flow and took it as it is. Um, I, I, I want to say, though, Adam, college really, you know, entering my freshman year gave me real perspective because there's not a time in your life where you're connected with the most diverse amount of people in your life for most people. Most people, they go through high school, they have people in either district, right? And then you go mm-hmm. to some four-year four university, and then you have people from across the world. It could be your professors, someone you uh, go to class with. And then after that, you know, most of the time you go to a corporate job or you do some kind of business or you have a position that keeps you in a place, especially if you're tied down by family. So then you live your life. And college, I don't agree with the, the notion that it's the best four years of your life because <laughs> everything you do after college is what you make it, right? You know, like I, I think it's kind of depressing if that was the four best years of your life. You got to make that shit count. So, um, but I do think that get, seeing everyone else's perspective and their stories all in that four years really combined with what you do with your time in college does give you that perspective. So, you know, I have to say, uh, a lot of the growth and who I am and why I have this perspective of people view me as a positive guy. And I always say I'm not positive. I'm, I'm a realist, you know, I, I recognize <laughs> where I recognize where I am and I see where people are. So po- positive realist. Uh, yeah, man. Um, but Hey, yeah, that's great. I think, you know, JMU is a great school. I had a cousin who did her undergrad there. And oh, really? Eventually, yeah. She had graduated uh, a few years back. Um, you know, but she went on to get her PhD from Cornell. So she just kept on going with that. Wow. Yeah. She really and... kept going for JMU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, JMU, uh, JMU is a great school. That, that's awesome. Though. Yeah. And I know it's a great campus, but tell me through that. You had a couple internships. You had one with uh, Northwestern Mutual, but it wasn't Ooh, looking into my LinkedIn now. Are we <laughs> okay. It wasn't the typical internship that you would, you know, the financial advisor that a lot of uh, people go through. So what was that internship like uh, on the marketing side? Oh, uh, dude, uh, that was, that was during a point in my, I mean, I'm talking like I'm an 80 year old man here, but that was definitely, <laughs> that was definitely a period of my life when I was, uh, so, you know, I told myself early, early during the winter, I'm like, I'm going to find the best summer marketing internship. I like uh-huh. wanted to intern at Red Bull. I wanted also something to do with gaming because I was very, still am pretty passionate about like video games, esports. So I wanted something very ambitious, Adam. So I spent those months constantly browsing LinkedIn, hitting up my connections. Uh, you know, I thought I had it. I thought I could figure something out, but everything that kind of landed on my plate slipped away. I had one internship planned with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I actually got to the final stages of interviewing. But then two days before I was going to start, they called me and said they found a six-point speed violation over two years ago of speeding in, in Harrisonburg. And they're like, oh yeah, they're like, yeah. unless you get this sponge to remove, you can't do this. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding wow. me? I couldn't yeah. even believe it. 
uh you know because they're a car <laughs> rental company but like seriously you're gonna get this put me this far uh, I, know so, I, I know i wouldn't got that internship <laughs> yeah dude i mean it, it it just felt like every opportunity <laughs> i got oh and then and then uh there's a situation that taught me gambler's fallacy because i was i was in harrisonburg which is for those of you that don't know it's that's the college town jmu's in and you go up 81 interstate it's like the near the shenandoah mountains uh northwest of virginia go you dukes pretty, <laughs> go dukes roll dukes baby you pretty much uh if you want to get to hyattsville or college park maryland you got to drive three hours and <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I was searching on LinkedIn and I found a sponsored post about being a outside sales representative uh, with Elite Maryland. Uh, if you're listening, Elite, like y'all are cool, but all right, just listen. <laughs> pretty much, I, I show up. I show up to the place. Um, they do this interview, and I'm like, "All right, when will I hear back?" They're like, "During part two, when you come back next week." And I was like, "Shit, okay." So I, <laughs> I, I do the, I do the three-hour drive again. By the way, combined, it's twelve hours because I have to go there again. I do the second. It's not even an interview. I'm filling out HR paperwork. And then I go back home. And then I go back a third time to do some up, some more paperwork. I drive, I take three trips. That's total 18 hours. I end up rejecting it right when I get back. I'm like, wow, this is not the job for me. Not because I didn't like it. I felt kind of scammy. Um, so I am kind of uh, digressing. But um, all these opportunities didn't seem to work out. And at the time, I felt like I was getting punched in the face. Because, you know, it's one thing if you don't put in effort at all to find the best opportunity when you're in my shoes. But it felt like I put in so much work and so many nights. I sacrificed so many Friday and Saturday nights out just to work on my resume, reach out to people. <laughs> you could say I could have done more, but I would have not lived if that was So was that before, like, that Northwestern Mutual? Yes. You know, I, so pretty much uh, what ended up happening was there was one position where I got – because this was at the – um, career fair at JMU, I got a call and they said, yeah, so we, we think you'd be good to be a uh, financial representative. And I was like, word, I'll come through. And it <laughs> seemed pretty good. You know, I've always been interested by finance. Like since COVID <laughs> hit, I'm a psych major, but since COVID hit, I've researched stocks and I have like money invested. I love finance now. That's my, that's my thing. That's my arc. But uh, when I was at uh, Northwestern, they finally accepted me after a few interviews. Uh, if, for those you don't know, they're mutual um, mutual services company. They do uh, life insurance and mutual investments. Now, come uh, on, Josh. Everybody should know Northwestern Mutual. <laughs> hey, you'd, you'd be shocked. Bro. <laughs> you would be shocked. I mean, they are huge. They're a huge company. It's great that, um, I mean, it's great that you got that opportunity. Yeah. Um, with them. But what was it like, I mean, doing marketing for them? Well, so I was like, I, I was going to accept, but then I found out that being a financial representative would involve Here's the deal. I can cold call. I can talk to strangers. But when they're my strangers, when I have to get my leads through my friends and family, something didn't sit right. I was really hesitant. And I told the manager and she's like, I'll be honest, there is actually another position I want to fill for the summer. And that's marketing internship. And I was like, sick. You know, and it sounded really cool. And I did it. And it was super like, this was when I first found out I couldn't do a basic desk job because like, <laughs> I, I show up, I I uh, spend like maybe one or one hour, two hours working on the website, then just the rest dicking around. And I also don't want them to seem like I'm dicking around, so I have to pretend like I'm doing stuff sometimes. Uh, sometimes it just felt like a lot of pressure was on me to do these specific tasks that would require more training. It was either the tasks were too intense or the tasks were like 
you know, file this paperwork. It, and I know that's all internships. You know, at the time I was like, this is just my humble beginnings. But I did feel like I was wasting my time there um, in general. Um, I loved the people. I just have to say the people that were incredible, but financial services wasn't for me. And by the end of the day, I just felt this path of, you know, working and filing papers. I was barely doing the marketing I wanted to do. I did some cold mm -hmm. calls, but it was based on, there were old leads. Yeah, I, like, like I said, no shade toward the company. It was just not my jam because it was more me faking liking it because Adam, you may know this feeling. I felt like I had to put something on my resume. I felt like, you know, I, I could have worked in retail or I, cause I used to work at Harris Teeter. I could have been a cashier. I could have done anything, but I felt this was the highest quote unquote status job I could get, but I wasn't even close to being happy. So well, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. I mean, I, I know that, you know, sometimes when you go to those huge companies, um, you might get stuck like that. And that's unfortunate that happened um, because it, it really doesn't matter. And this, you know, I know at career services at Stevenson, you know, I really, to be honest, like in school, you really want the best experience for yourself. So whether it's with a big yeah. company, a small company, just get experience and something that you enjoy and get a variety of experiences. So uh, how did, yeah. yeah, for sure. And let me ask, so how did, so going from psychology to your interest in sales, how did that transpire? Well, you know, I can connect it with kind of the Northwestern job. So like, obviously the job didn't work out for me, but I knew from the very beginning, my brain, I definitely have. I want to say ADHD, but it's always, it's always been like, you know, everyone says this, you can focus on things you're passionate about. And for me, it was like, you know, I never even viewed myself as really ADHD, but I, I, you know, I constantly need to be doing something that's new and engaging um, with sales. You're talking to someone new each minute. So that's actually good enough for me. I, uh, I actually started as a student caller. So our call at a lot of universities have call centers where they have, students reach out to alumni and parents asking for donations because you know obviously tuition is not enough right so you gotta, <laughs> you gotta dig deeper um i can get into that later but pretty much um i i got the job from one of my fraternity brothers jordan taylor he hooked me up with the student caller position uh i was not too sure about it i was always told like i was i'm an interpersonal guy like you know i've always been <laughs> always been interested in that kind of stuff but um when i did start it it was super cool um, I just, you know, the culture was awesome. Like it was, it's definitely the kind of call center. Where, like if you're not on the phone, like if you're waiting through voicemails, you just talk to your friends next to you. Um, you know, they played music, they let you color. Like it was, it was an awesome, it was super awesome. Like I, I owe a lot to Madison connection. Cause like that call center helped make who I am today, helped put me up with the people that I still talk to all the time. Uh, but that taught me that like, I can nail this sales thing, right? Because it's talking and navigating your way through a conversation and it did kind of align with psychology. I know a lot of people think of psychology as a very manipulative kind of context where you're like, hmm, how can I trick that person to do this? No, no. That's, that's only like one facet. That's only one part of the equation where although, yeah, psychology is, you know, behavior. Behavior is part of psychology. There's just a lot more. Um, but, you know, my fascination has been in, uh, you know, the social psychology side, too, where, uh everyone has something that they care about. Everyone has something they're scared of, you know, you know, when you do think about it, it is kind of like sketchy, 
in a sense where you want to socially engineer the conversations. Uh, no, but... no, I'm, I'm totally for that. And I think yeah. sales especially is some form of psychology. You're trying to understand what the other person's pain point is. And for psychology, it's how does the mind work? And when you relate that to business, not just sales, yeah. how does someone how does someone buy? Is it is it a transactional buy? Like I'm gonna buy this because I need it. Or what why let me ask you this, Josh. Yeah. And I'm sure you're gonna get it right. What what triggers is what triggers somebody to buy? Or what type of thing? Well, the answer is it is it I guess it's a I guess I need to give you a couple of options. Hey, is it more so because they need it or is it an emotional trigger that they really want it? Well, to help answer that, you know, Adam, you you know, in the industry I was in, which was uh, you know, university advancement where you would have to engage alumni and parents giving back. Now, now you know, first of all, let me ask you, Adam. How do you think, why do you think an alumni or parent would give to a school where they're either paying tuition already as a parent <laughs> or they're in debt as a student or they paid $120K uh, for the school? Why, why would someone give back? Why? Well, I can, because of the emotional connection to the school. That is absolutely a factor. Now, <laughs> there's actually something really unique in the world of charitable causes, right? Now, outside of charity, if you're buying something, I feel you can connect to it. You can either connect to the product. So yes, there's emotional, there's nostalgic purpose. There's something in their life that's missing or needs to be solved, right? Obviously, you know, like, um, you know, if you buy like a, a treadmill, you feel like, hey, I need to get in shape or, you know, you have a need or there's some kind of emotional string um, into what exactly. you buy. And also I think a lot, this is definitely underrated too. It has to do with your impulsivity. I, there has to be a correlation with like how, you know, a lot of impulsive people buy things impulsively. So sometimes, although the reasons might be there, it has to pass the threshold of, am I a responsible person or not? Uh, so, but in, in, there's a very unique case with charitable causes. People give because there's a, well, my boss used to say this, people don't give to homeless shelters, right? They give to end homelessness. People don't give to charitable causes to help the organization per se. They help to fulfill the organization's mission. So, you know, the, the big point of the calls we would have, we would talk about how, hey, you know, you liked, first we would talk about like their experience. Hey, you liked being a student here for a while. Hey, you liked, um, you know, you, you enjoyed your time here. You enjoyed your time on the basketball team. Well, all that stuff was to help fulfill JMU's purpose of creating the best possible college experience for the and create the best possible learners right so don't you want it's like you would say don't you want your children and your future to have the same experience you did of you know being able to have extracurriculars while you know while just being a good person while learning to be an engaging citizen and oh it, yeah definitely yeah it kind of loops and I gotta, around and that's totally that totally makes sense i gotta ask though if i was to call let's say i was you know uh, I went to JMU. I didn't, but let's just say half a I did. And I called you up and I asked you, what, how do I know? I mean, this is, this could probably go on for days, this conversation, but how do I know that the money 
I'm putting to this cause as actually being allocated for the right call you for don't. the right purposes. You don't. I, I, I don't even know. We we only know we can say what we're told and I mean the money goes to where we are told it's gonna go. There's funds and I'm sure there's receipts for those funds. But do you see them depositing it like physically? You know, we don't see this stuff. Now, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying like Jane, you any school could do whatever they want with money as long as they're not monitored. I'm sure there's a way to do that. You could say that physical projects we have now are a result of that. But I mean, Adam, a lot of it comes down to trust and with any with any transaction, right? Because with any charitable transaction, because if you Googled it right now, how many charitable organizations end up ended up being bullshit, right? Like when you look it up, if when you look up, like I, I can't think of one. I think Autism Speaks was like a, a big one where people gave to it and ended up just going into the pockets. I, I don't know the story with that. I don't want to speak on that. But I mean, when you give to something as a charitable cause, you're, that means you're not getting a service back. So you have to have faith in the system that, you know, it's, it's going to work. It's going to go and make it. Yes. So, so it, it, all I have is like my word. You know, it's yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting question yeah. uh, and something to, to think about. But I got to ask, too, uh, you have a lot of interest outside of work and, you know, you've done uh, great, you know, after, since, you know, coming out of college. But talk about your, you know, your music with video games and also music as well. Yeah, totally. Um, when you say music, is that like a metaphor or do you mean like actually music? No, like what, like what type of music do you listen to? Oh, oh, just like, <laughs> dude, eat. here's the deal. Um, if you uh, talk to a lot of college students now, they'll be like, yeah, I love every genre except country, <laughs> <laughs> except country. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I dabble in different music. A lot of people know I go through phases. Uh, one big consistent one is Galantis. I could just jam out like, I mean, EDM, I could jam out to some Galantis. It uh, <laughs> was a big fan of Avicii. Uh, you know, I, I go back to like the Mac Miller days where I loved like early 2010s, like hip hop, like Lupe Fiasco, love, uh, Kendrick and J. Cole are some old time favorites. Uh, but yeah, music, music means a lot to me. And I feel I'm definitely most creative when I listen to music. Um, I, I, but I obviously listen to the, the um, Adam Vorse podcast if I'm having long car rides, uh, copyright, <laughs> copyright 2020, just because, you know, it's a very insightful podcast. But <laughs> but now let me let me ask you this: yeah. uh, Do you listen to old school old school rap? Um, you know I I'm more like dabble. Like I could I could go back and listen to like some Tupac or you know something yeah. else like Biggie. Like I, I'm not gonna like I actually can't like recite many like albums or like <laughs> I, like I would be a fake fan if someone confronted me. It was like, hey, like listen to your ninety '90s hip hop. I mean, but I just I could like find a Spotify playlist and vibe to it. Um, I know yeah. that might offend some of you, but that's just the way it is. So. <laughs> Ace, you know, hey, we're uh, open. Everybody, it's your point of view. Hey, hey, we, you know, my so, lack of knowledge in '90s hip hop won't go. I, that will not cancel me. Okay. <laughs> so, so how, so how old are you, Josh? I'm 22. Okay, well, I guess I got some years on you. Oh, well, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 28. Bro, you, hey, you don't look it, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not just, I'm not just saying that so you won't kick me off the podcast. You don't look that. You don't look it, man. No, no. So yeah, I got a, a couple, a couple years on you. So yeah, the '90s. I was. So what year were you born then? I was a uh, '97. 
Okay. Yeah, it was an interesting time. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people say uh, the generation between 95 and 97 is kind of limbo, right? Because you have kind of the millennials who are a bit older than me. Um, People feel there's definitely a disconnect there. (laughs) Definitely. Hey, hey, yeah, man, it's it's all good. And, you know, it's great that because I know from like, you know, the 90s, man, the 90s were really cool and like, uh, the 2000s so like video games I know you're big into video games so talk to me like what system are you PlayStation are you Xbox uh, Nintendo what system are you and you use a lot I'm I consider myself like a hybrid fan of um, and I used to be bigger into PC uh, you know like I after my bar mitzvah, I invested into like a gaming PC and I was big into like, <laughs> you know, uh, Call of Duty, Just Cause 2, uh, all that shit. And I'd have like a Spore, if y'all were hit to Spore back in the day. Um, and, but, you know, I grew up with an Xbox. I grew up with a Sega Genesis, actually. Um, you know, the original Sonic oh, wow. the Hedgehog. Yeah. No, like, I was hey, big into Se- like, yeah. The Sega, man. That, yeah, that was great. The Sega, the Nintendo 64. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I mean, I actually didn't have an N64, but, you know, we had a GameCube. We played Smash Brothers Melee, and that's kind of what got me into just, like, the Nintendo scene. And um, these days, you can either find me playing Super Smash Bros. Uh, I, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, this this new job, man, Adam, you know, he we're working together, and this has been a grind, but it's been great. It's just very time, <laughs> very time-consuming. I haven't turned on my Switch since I moved, but... Um, it's definitely a big Nintendo guy. Um, I had a big phase of being a PC. I still am a PC guy, but it's like limited games. I'll play League of Legends and Hearthstone. Like I'm a big competitive gamer when it comes to online, so I'll play. You can catch me on anything like that's competitive. So are you? I gotta ask too because Xbox and PlayStation are like rivals. If you like, and I think they're st- like they're still rivals to this day. And, like, I had PlayStation, like, I have PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. I haven't had a lot. I haven't had a system since uh, my PlayStation 2 broke. I know that's been a little bit. Damn, those but... things break? <laughs> Damn. Well, it didn't. I don't think, well, yeah, it, like, my games weren't working anymore. It was it was a whole thing. And I tried to take it to Game GameStop if those things are still around. I don't know. They every, A lot of retailers are closing. GameStop, not a lot of, I mean, you can get games, just buy them off Amazon. Amazon yeah, GameStop probably right tried now. to offer you like three bucks. for your <laughs> So are you more of a Sony guy or Microsoft? Well, I have to say, like, growing up, I definitely, you know, I was a big fan of Halo and the Xbox. Yeah. Uh, dude, I, I love the... Um, oh, my God. I, I love the, you know, 2007, I think we got our Xbox 360. I'm just <laughs> thinking of more games I had on it. Um it's not coming to me. I, you know, Halo. I could spend hours on the Halo Three uh, Forge mode. It's like dicking around with my friends on that, like for our sleepovers. <laughs> like we just spend the whole night designing maps on Halo, man. Like those are the days. Yeah, Halo was great. I mean, a friend like beat like Halo Two. It was it was so lit. Like we beat that, and it was like okay, this is this is great. But like Xbox was great for like those call those like mission games and where. PlayStation was great for like sports games like Madden. Uh, well, I never uh, thought about that in that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I love you know PlayStation was great for like this, but now like the graphics and you can have you know your with the graphics of the new systems, 
it doesn't really matter now, but I know for a while there, especially early on, I mean, PlayStation for sports games was great, but you know, did you, did you ever play? And this was like, are, are you much into sports at all? Um, not really. I definitely didn't like, I wasn't too into sports games. Uh, we had, uh, don't recall too much. I know we had one of the Maddens, but, um, yeah, I don't think we were too into it. I definitely knew that like there was a big distinction, uh, not between Xbox and PS4, <laughs> but like, you're not going to have many of the sports games because we mainly had Nintendo consoles, right? So like, you're not going to have any crazy sports games. Except Wii Sports, but that was like everyone had yeah. everyone had Wii Sports, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, game systems are huge, and uh, you know, what do you think of you know the esports environment? I mean, obviously, you're you're a big gamer, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, sports or not, but what do you think? Do you think like esports can be something that sticks around for a while? Uh. You know, I don't know when you say big gamer if that's a compliment or an insult. Cause, uh, because no, because no, like, no, like I, you know, I'm just fucking around. But like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, like, you know, it's good to have a passion. I think, I think games are made. You know, a lot of people are um, find passion in games. But uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's becoming an insult just because, like, if you're a gamer, it's just you're just that's just all you do. No, 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 it's definitely not. I think, an insult I think nowadays with a lot of online <laughs> games, it's very hard to find balance in your life. Uh, I, you know, uh, that's why esports is awesome. is a double edged sword because I, I at one point had legitimate aspirations to be like a pro esports player because you know, it's in reality and, and actually making it in the industry as a pro player is very difficult in a sense where you have to be the top 0.1%, right? Like you can't just be like the best in your city. You gotta be the best. Um, and you have to be noticed through your actions. Right. So like I, I legitimately, in terms of esports being a thing, absolutely. Like esports will absolutely continue to break through, especially, you know, uh, everyone staying home. I know like in early 2012, 2013, when like league of legends, esports started to become big, they would be selling out huge arenas, like of people just to watch people play on a screen. Like I, you know, there's real, there's real money in it. You know, there's real, I gotta ask, why wasn't this a thing when I was playing video games? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, like, hey, really, there, it, like, it was, bro. There was like some, uh, nah, nah, like, there like, was some uh, TV. There was like some uh, game show. You know, it's very uh, niche. I forgot what it's called. There was some game show where they'd play the Super Mario, like uh, Super Mario World, and some guy won, like, won it. I don't know. It wasn't really sports, <laughs> but like that was the first baby steps. I mean, like, yeah. I played, like, I played. So I played NFL Blitz, and if people – this is going way back. Like, this is like the first football game. Yeah, I'm like, hip. I'm if, hip. If you didn't play this game, I don't know. You were garbage. <laughs> like, come on. Like, NFL Blitz, you would go and you would be, like, be able to box somebody. Like, that was just – that was just a great game. And then, you know, Madden came onto the scene, and Madden – and that – Yeah, that – John Madden – that was, it was fantastic. Like his commentary, like I felt bad when John Madden wasn't announcing. Like that was like a sad day for the game, like for gaming. Like after when he retired and like when he stopped announcing and it was um when it was Chris Collins worse than Al Michaels, like it was yeah. just a sad day because he 
of course his name is still it's still in his name, but he's no longer announcing. And I just thought, man, that's a sad that's a sad day. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, the legacy of Madden was it's still unmatched. You can definitely find Madden in uh, you know, back to esports, there actually is a decent Madden scene, you know. But I think of the big money, Adam, with esports, you'll find it in like competitive multiplayer games. Um you know, you look up CSGO, you look up uh, League of Legends. Uh, so, and speaking of Smash Bros, like, you know, you, you have a competitive team with that game. And a game that started out as a, as like a group party game where your favorite Nintendo characters started beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> that became a, a world phenomenon where people were like, hey, I could be better than you. It started with Melee. If you're, if you're hit to like Smash Bros Melee on the GameCube, like that was, that was the, that was the game to have. And um, people across the world like, wait, like I could be better at you in this game. Now, I think a lot of my aspirations have like, it kind of came to a halt when it was like, okay, I, I, some people are naturally talented. I was not one of those <laughs> prodigies. All my skill came from practice. So if I actually want to get good, I would have to absolutely have no life. And I only had some life, you know, <laughs> I was like 50%. So I couldn't give up the rest of my social life. So I, you know, it's, it's become a passion since then, but um yeah that everybody everybody has you know their passion yeah like something you know, that... i think a big uh i think a big point is like you can have your passion but it doesn't have to be something that like fulfills you it can be something that distracts you or you know kind of gives you something to do um although working in esports would be an awesome job like i definitely would love like to have a brand like it like maybe like own some kind of team or brand in esports would be super cool but a lot of people kind of streamline how they think, not just video games, but like, you know, if I want to work in the, for a movie, I have to be an actor, right? Or I have to be a director. But no, <laughs> you can do something behind the scenes or you can advertise and do something just as impactful, you know? It's, uh, your passion doesn't have to equal, um, doesn't have to, you don't have to be the big star every time. Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of people, and especially now, uh, coming back a little bit, a lot of students, and a lot of students are people coming out of school. They, I like how you said distraction because when people think passion, and this has been a thing, you know, for uh, people have talked about this, you know, turning your passion into like a career. You can certainly do that, but Absolutely. it's not always not always the case. And what do you say to students who are like solo focused on getting to a certain point and not looking at I mean, obviously, you were, like, focused and were open to a lot of opportunities after school. So how do you tell other students that you got to keep an open mind when it comes to what you might end up doing as a career? I would say, look, the biggest thing is to not limit yourself at all because we are born – you know, we're born with a completely open mind and then every rule about what we should and shouldn't do is taught to us, right? Mm -hmm. But what you have to recognize, you have to recognize that boundless possibilities come from your hard-ass work. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes first try, snap, you'll magically get it. You'll magically get that deal. You'll magically get go viral, right? That can happen, but what you see is usually the tiny, tiny 0.1%. That's not saying you shouldn't do it. That means... 99.98% of the time, you're going to have to work your absolute ass off. 
you're going to have to make sacrifices that would make you more uncomfortable than you've been in your life. If you want to be a marketing intern for Microsoft, you have to spend day, for example, or I don't know, that's pretty specific and a random company. What if you <laughs> want like what's, what's something you'd want to do? I don't know. Um, you'd want to be a commentator for the X games, right? Uh, maybe be a young commentator. That's not going to land on you, especially, I mean, just sending an application. If you really want that, if you're banking on it, you got to work your ass off. Maybe make your own X Games brand. Maybe DM people that work at X Games 24-7, constantly saying how awesome they are and how you want to be under their <laughs> shoulder. Constantly looking at tweets with hashtag X. You know, like being engaging on social media is huge nowadays, right? So I would tell that student, whatever passion you have, whatever huge goal you have, I absolutely think you should say yes. I think you should say yes to every new opportunity and go for it. But you need to put in that work because there's no one, no one's going to feel sorry for you when things don't work out. You're only going to get criticism, right? You're, no one's going to cheer for you when things start to go your way. So if you really want to go for this, recognize it's going to be a lot of hard work. Uh, start to grow some balls, but that, <laughs> that, that involves, listen, growing balls involves not just taking criticism, but also when you're praised and you and you start having satisfaction, don't get complacent. That's big, right, Adam? Not getting complacent because a lot oh, of people definitely. a lot of people make successful baby steps and then they're like, hey, that's kind of awesome, you know? Maybe I could chill for a bit. Maybe I could crack a beer open, right? Nope. <laughs> you gotta keep working if you're not there yet. And it's easier said than done. I'm still in the you know, I I've been victim of that. But I to aspiring Let's say you're like an aspiring freshman that has this big goal. You want to make you want to make your own business. You know, you want to make it on your own. Uh, unless you win the lottery, it's going to be a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, and you nailed so many good points there. I mean, so many good points. Uh, putting in the hard work, uh, not being complacent. And I got to ask, what did you do differently as someone coming out of college what was something you did differently during the job process and the job search that landed your opportunity? Well, mine was pretty interesting simply because I actually, so I actually contacted our, um, our HR person, you know, ours, you know, uh, Ryan and Katie from Cyberary. Yep. And I reached I, it's because I sent in a LinkedIn application with an email, by the way, with the job search, it's all about emails and personal messages. Like that was huge. Um, and I had a conversation, uh, new, new year's Eve had a conversation and they said, you know, we're not sure where we're at right now with hiring check back in March. We'll see where you're at with graduation. Right. Fast forward, March, a literal pandemic hits all of, <laughs> all of my possible job leads that would have said yes to me said no. One job lead that said yes to me retracted. I was at a blank slate. I, just like my internship search uh, that I talked about earlier this year, I had a blank slate again, but then I checked my calendar, uh, March 23rd, reconnect with Ryan from Cyberry. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, when did I schedule this? <laughs> I was like, what? So, you know, I end up calling and she picks up. I have an awesome conversation. And then from there comes the conversation of when we end, I end up having an interview. And that was, that all came from just a LinkedIn app. But more importantly, I put in my calendar that I would reconnect with her. Because, you know, a lot of the times when companies say that, that doesn't happen. But that was a... Uh, it was pretty magical with the timing and with COVID, you know, I wasn't even expecting them to still be hired. So take me back to that initial conversation. When did you initially reach out? 
our, our first conversation, I mean, I applied like mid-December, then our first conversation, I, I knew it was New Year's Eve because it was when I was staying at my friend's place for this uh, thing at uh, National Harbor. So I was like, yeah, I was like, this is something that could be interesting. I know nothing really about cybersecurity, but I'm an awesome sales <laughs> guy. I, I, I oversee a team right now. If you want like some leadership, she was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, this is like a project we're considering, uh, like, you know, hiring again, just uh, we'll reconnect in March. And I was like, and I didn't really think about it. Like, obviously, like, I thought Cyberry was awesome and I wanted to join. But, like, there were so many other jobs I was applying to that a lot of the jobs I kind of put on the back burner because I just wait for notifications to go off. That's what happens when you're applying to jobs. Like, if you're not applying, you're just waiting for notifications. So once COVID started to hit, I was like, all right, shit, what am I going to do now? I just got to go back to the point and to the persistence I got to I got to say and if people when people uh hear that if, if they don't if they don't understand the the importance of that so you were able to connect New Year's Eve so we're talking December December of 2019 right before the new year yep and you didn't uh then you were like okay I'll reach back out in March and then you were able to reach back out in March and was able to be persistent enough to find that opportunity. That that is huge. Well, and I, I have to I have to give a big thanks and shout out to you know Ryan and Katie. Oh yeah, because definitely. they you know it's easy for me as someone who was a you know desperate college <laughs> senior who you know I pride like you know Golem with the ring I pride on any opportunity to get just a slither of maybe a job right but is on them you know especially after we found out that cyber is doing really well especially during the pandemic on them still being consistent with me actually answering the phone being the nicest people ever like continuing to have discussions with us and i say us because like you know once we started the training onboarding jay van started the same time as me and by the way it goes both ways because you know he started you know i want to leave the story to him but he he found the job in April, you know, during the pandemic. So it definitely goes both ways with opportunity. Yeah. And for me too, like it, it started out, I, I know uh, Tim Herkenvota there and uh, he got the opportunity at Cyberry and I was like, so, so what do they do? And I knew, I knew that it was something Tim was great. I, I worked with him a little bit in my last company and I asked him what, what was it? So it wasn't until, it wasn't until like uh, my interview process was, you know, during the pandemic as well. And it was all virtual. I, you know, I hadn't, my last company I left in January and I hadn't been into office until January 15th. So I love that, wow. you know, you know, Ryan was great. She, you know, her and, and Scott led my final interview and they were great. I mean, the culture is great there. You, you, we both see in the office. Hey, um, hey we're not just saying that because we work there right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, been a, it's been a blast. I've, and I've, you know, it's funny. I've worked in sales. This is uh, my third opportunity in sales. And I got to say, it's. It's a really cool culture. I mean, you know, and it's cybersecurity and IT, and that's never going away. So here's the great yeah. part about sales is 
you you jump into it and it you're gonna learn so much about navigating people and also mindset right so today was rough right like i always i have a when it comes to like sales and you know i'm usually confident but like health you know in a healthy way i'm not overconfident but i'm usually (laughs) i'm usually on my task and in my head i'm generally above average with newer newer tasks and i still consider this job a newer task i'm still i have a huge learning curve with cybersecurity. but the thing about sales is you have to I think the most important, one of the most important life lessons you learn in sales, and that's to numb your brain to both good and bad feedback, right? So you're, you might go through, <laughs> you might go through 20 leads. Maybe some of them were even planned. Some of them look really perfect. Maybe 16 of them don't answer. Then four of them tell you to screw off. You have to take <laughs> that and be like, okay, I learned something. Let's move on. Or I didn't learn something tough shit. I have to keep trying. You numb your brain. And it's also important, you know, when you're successful to not let that, like I said earlier, your complacency stop you. Sales teaches you to dig deep for that gold and you might find some gold, but you got to keep digging and start really creating that interest. Uh, so that goes for, you know, any endeavor. But uh, I, luckily I learned, I, I started learning that in my call center job at JMU. So that kind of transferred and it's, it's a continued struggle, but it's really right now it's really helping me with my mindset and you know other projects i have going on just uh really sticking with it um that's why this job is awesome because you know the culture of the, they give us a lot of freedom and it's just a culture that helps with that mindset oh definitely i couldn't agree more and you know being it, it's interesting like my first sales job was gym memberships so a lot of times you know i would get no a couple times, but I was, I was doing full cycle sales and a lot of times the people were more receptive. So when I walked like, like now it doesn't really matter because it's like, well, like you said, your brain is numb and you got to continue to push forward. Yeah. (laughs) Like my last company, like it was very different and it was an interesting way of how we dealt with that. And sometimes, like, sometimes those no's do hurt because it's like all I'm looking for is a meeting. All I'm looking for is 30 minutes of your time to get with a meeting with yep. one of my AEs, one of my colleagues to showcase our solution. That's all. I'm not I'm not making you sign the dotted line. I'm not having you sign up right away. All I'm asking for is that meeting. And what's interesting, as you mentioned, is there's always going to be something. You just have to find it. And that I, that's, that's so true. Yep. It goes back to the same situation with if you want to have a breakthrough with your business venture or if you want like to go viral, you know, like if you're if you're seeking opportunity, it's very similar with going through a lead list. Obviously, sales, you're going to strike gold more often because ideally you're calling people who might be interested, right? But in general, you... And it, like I said, it sounds like we're, we're gods over here speaking about this, but we're. I think even the, the biggest professionals and experts out there, you hear them, people still struggle with emotions. And, you know, we're, we're human beings. We, we've lasted this long through emotional connections, both good and bad. It's It's very natural and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel ashamed or judge yourself if you let emotions get to you. But it's like go, it's like going to the gym and working out. You can practice 
practice numbness. It sounds pretty bad. I wish there was a better word. Practice, you know, tenacity, tenacity, I think is the word we're both looking for, but it's, it's a, it's a fine art. I think it's a skill to, well, let's say, let's draw that. Uh, if you go to the gym, let's say five days, or let's say if you keep going to the gym, there's going to be some results. Uh, just like, just like in sales. I mean, if you, what's been amazing and I love, and I love like, uh, the process. I mean, being able to just the more dials you make, having those extra calls, you're gonna find something, and you're gonna find results. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, what what you have. You know, if you have a product, you just have to make it work and and have it in your favor. But talk about talk about some of the challenges or being a recent grad, you know, as and jumping into sales, or was it, what is it a smooth transition? You think, you know, given the situation, uh, I, I think I'm pretty fortunate. It was pretty smooth. Uh, you know, our training, as you know, was remote. So, you know, not only was I used to remote classes, I didn't have to move instantly because I was still had a lease in Harrisonburg until, july so you know the the transition itself was smooth uh, and and same with mindset like uh, going into the office was actually better than i expected but i do think that a big challenge uh, especially at this point and a lot of people are similar are especially listening may be in my shoes where you know it's it's a great path and you enjoy what you do and you see yourself really making big strides, but you always think, you know, how can I ensure and explore my passions and keep myself, there's other parts of your life you got to keep fresh, right? Even if I find success in sales, how can I stay in touch with my college friends? Even if I stay in touch with my college friends, how can I explore new hobbies? Even if I explore new hobbies, how can I have a good nightlife or social life? If I have a good nightlife or social life, how can I, you know, exercise, work out? And then the whole time, how can I get freaking eight hours of sleep, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it becomes more, it feels impossible. I mean, I, I believe we waste a lot of times on our phones throughout the day. Like, I think time management is like all an illusion. Like, we make our own time, what's important. But most people, you know, and, and I say that, and like, you know, I can struggle with time management. But at the end of the day, the reality is you make your time. So I think a big challenge is like, finding your true rhythm of doing things you actually want to do instead of what you feel obligated to do. If you really wanted to work out every day, you would, you know, instead of saying, I want to get, I want to actually look good. And then you actually work out like same goes for reaching out to your friends. Maybe you feel guilty because you haven't talked to some friends from college for a while, but I mean, they're not hitting you up. You know, it's not just you. (laughs) It's not just you. So, so it's that there's a lot of factors to it, but um, I think finding, the, a challenge can be overcome, but finding the perfect rhythm can, for a lot of people, it, it's stressful, you know? Yeah. And, and I got to say, you know, being able to have a come you know, you don't seem uh, like a realist. You, you seem like an optimistic kind of guy. Yeah. I, I would, I Is would say in most sense. I would say in the most sense. <laughs> tell me, tell me about like, so like tell me because I say this all the time. I say flipping the script. So 
Tell me about a situation either in college or even in high school where it was like a really crappy situation, but you turn that crappy situation into a positive and you flip the script and said, you know what? I'm not letting this get me down and I'm going to turn it into a positive. Well, well, Adam, on that note, uh, you know, I, I know I used the word optimism earlier and I know it's in the description of your podcast. So I'm about to throw some flame at you, but I, I'm not a big fan of the word optimist and I'm, I'm going to say why I don't like the idea of optimism because it's not it. I feel right now in the English language, you view it as right now. It's kind of viewed as putting a mask over the truth, kind of like being falsely confident, okay, that, falsely that, happy. I, yeah. I, let me let me just say real quick. I what I believe more. It's about a healthy perspective because a lot of the times optimism is actually. I mean, I mean, we tend we tend toward the negative as humans, so optimism uh, what people say is actually usually reminders of what's going well which a lot of the times you have to do and that at the end of the day that's really what it is because you're gonna and you're gonna put to the front what's negative and not what's positive sometimes shit really sucks sometimes shit is just absolute worst and it's almost impossible to view things where it's it, a healthy perspective right but most of the time these are trivial situations in our day-to-day life. Man, I'm stuck in traffic. This fucking sucks. Why does God hate me? <laughs> it's not optimistic to say you're in no rush and at least your family's healthy, right? That's not optimism. That's you should be grateful. It's but <laughs> see, see, that's my 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 rant session is over. But uh, <laughs> I think... yeah, that totally that totally was uh, that was certainly. I mean, yeah, that's uh, when I say optimism, that's totally not my intention. No, or... I, I, yeah, I know, you know what I mean too. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, I can give you an example. Um, you know, back to your question, you said, you said where I turned it around. Yeah, because I say, I mean, off the optimistic part, <laughs> I say it's flipping the script. So, like, because there's a lot of, when, when I say flipping the script, a lot of times you get put in a negative situation and you can do one of two things. You can say, okay, this negative thing is going to get me down and keep me down. Or you can get up off your horse and keep going forward. Yeah. You choose how you react to a situation. And that to me, uh, most of the time I say flipping the script because you don't want the reverse to happen. So how have you like in the past, whether it was high school or college flipped the script, I just, um, you know, I know applying to college was a big stressor and I was a really like, in terms of being a student, I was just above average period, like not really above average. I was a B minus student. I want to, I want to throw that out there. Like, even though my, (laughs) I, you know, if Quizlet wasn't a thing, I don't know how you got through school without Quizlet, Adam. I don't know how it happened, but (laughs) what, what miracle you had but um, i use that in spark notes you ever use spark yeah notes? Spark, if, okay if spark notes was around then then you know um <laughs> I, I think i think okay you're not old you're 28 what am i saying <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think a big factor uh for me when applying to colleges was a sense i actually I actually was being unrealistic because i thought i'd get into all these schools but i wasn't too involved with high school you know i did a cross country i did do some debate um I didn't really do much in high school, you know. It was I, it was definitely not my peak. I I know 
applying to colleges though was uh felt pretty confident because i did okay with test scores i did not get into jmu so but and that was hard for me because i you know it was a school i really wanted to go to and there wasn't many virginia schools i was happy with uh george mason was my second choice and i did accept it but you know it was like i was not that i was, I was kind of pissed off i was like kind of mad i was like fuck this man i don't want to be at george mason like <laughs> some george mason kids are gonna rip my head off nah um but i you know so i wasn't happy it, it, it was a challenge it, it kind of stressed me out and then one night i'm like hey you know i heard someone say that you know, if you email admissions, uh, they could put you up on like the wait list or something, right? Because I did get waitlisted. So I messaged in like May, and then she was like, you know, I, I don't think she said tough shit, but she was like, yeah, you know, I I'll keep you updated. No, she, oh wait, she didn't respond at all. Yeah, what do I say? I I was like, hey, Jamie's my dream school, just checking on my position, and she didn't respond at all. And then I messaged again in june i think it was like at the end of june now this is latest shit for applying to college right a lot of people decide by the end of june <laughs> um so i sent another email like hey still here kind of miserable just uh i just uh checking in seeing how my position and i go to bed and then i wake up the next morning and i get an email back from the counselor saying josh you have good timing this morning uh one person from virginia beach rescinded their acceptance and we had one wow. spot open. She's like, she's like, you have 24 hours to respond before I send it to the next person on queue. And I was like, I was going to run to go to my mom and tell her, ask, <laughs> ask what I should do. Then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. So I, you know, I, I took a situation, you know, uh, it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. I, I just recognized that it was not impossible, right? I knew that feeling bad for myself wasn't going to get me exactly where I wanted. And I know sending emails aren't the hardest thing in the world, but I did something that a lot of people wouldn't have done. And that was just try it, even though it probably won't work. Right. Just try it. Cause I saw there's something inside me that wanted it. Um, I sometimes consider myself a lazy person, but that even got my ass up to do it, you know? So it definitely was a transformational experience. Absolutely. Wow. So let me just, let me just uh, go back for a second. So you did not initially get into JMU. I know I got and waitlisted. Then, and then and I actually then, accepted my, I forgot to tell you, I submitted the deposit to George Mason. I met my future roommate. I toured the place I was going to live. Like I, I was that deep. And then, so when did you, so just to put the timeline together, when did you, when did JMU tell you you didn't get in? Um, so I, I want to say the, I think it was the last day of June. So, and I was sending like one or two emails every month since March. And, um, and then around June, I send it, I think like, I don't know. I was like, I was feeling like, man, cause it was, you know, the time was, the clock was ticking. I was like, man, do I really want this George mate? And, and people were probably like, why does he keep shitting on George Mason? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, because like in my mind, I was kind of a superficial guy. Like people knew this. Like, you know, I was kind of like, I liked, I wanted my college experience to be pretty fun in, in that <laughs> sense. And Jamie had a good, not only did I have some friends at Jamie, but like it had a pretty good reputation in terms of a social scene. So that was a big pull. Uh, it had a better general psychology program. Uh, I, I preferred a more far away mountain college town than like near the Metro. Right. 
like that it's a whole contrast um, so, so yeah so all those positives so when did when did you get that so it was you didn't get accepted they told you no in june correct they told me no the whole um before june like in september you know it started in march when the responses started coming out and then in june you know that was the last month that they kept uh it's not that they kept saying no it's just i didn't send anything that i just kept getting ghosted right adam so june i think it was actually june 29th if i like look back i can get the exact date but uh it was the end of june and then when did you finally get um well let me (laughs) when did you finally get that notice that you had that spot or that you had to be spawned within 24 hours so you know i got that offer but so it was like you know i within the time i got the email which is the end of june i did have to accept and i did but uh it was late man like i school started less than two months i mean i don't know how familiar you are with like the straight out of high school like apply to college experience it's there a lot it's a lot of like early you have to do a lot of things early uh i know mm-hmm. i had to catch up with a lot of like things i had to do it was a lot but it was pretty late in the process i remember it was like midsummer. well i gotta say man that's that's great that's amazing just off you didn't get into the school and then you you kept saying you know what i didn't get in initially but i'm gonna hold this as a placeholder because I'm not really happy at the school I'm going to gonna yeah, go to in the exactly. fall. So you know what? Let me just send this one last email to see if there's a spot. And they yeah. emailed she said one person. Yeah. Like how incredible. Like you never know. Like and I like and, what you said, just try. And guess what? I would not be talking to you today um if I didn't send that email. Now, I know butterfly effect, a lot of things affect everything we do, right? But my uh, my JMU experience led me to my call center job, which led me to sales, which led uh-huh. me to seeking a sales job. And I know sure as hell, it it introduced me to my girlfriend. Uh, shout out Amanda Myers. I met, her my, <laughs> I met her my sophomore year, right? And she's, she's a Maryland native, knew the Maryland area, in addition to a lot of other people who's lived in this DC, Maryland area, where I wanted, ended up, you know, I ended up visiting here to visit friends and I loved it and I wanted to work here. So those conditions led me to want to work in sales in the DC, Maryland area. That's amazing. That, yeah. And and now, and now, you know, we were shooting the shit today at work and now you were like, Hey, be on my podcast. It's, it's butterfly flex, but when you can really narrow down that butterfly, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I look back at my time at Stevenson and, you know, college is such a vital part of someone's life and to have that little step i mean you can you know tell your kids one day don't don't ever give up even if you get rejected and because you never know where it can lead and that's that i mean that's that's phenomenal i think you know having that little extra you know push is 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 definitely something that's pretty cool that's why you got to say yes to everything, you know? You got to try <laughs> yes. things, I, you know? Well, being in sales, you hear no a lot. So from your – from uh... <laughs> we, we don't hear no. We say call back in two hours and then we don't get a response. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? You know, we, we never hear no. 
You know, I put, uh, you know, what I've, I, I do sometimes, you know, I put those calendar invites. Um, have you ever done that where you send oh, a calendar I, I do that sometimes, but have you found success from that? Not too much. So I've, instead of doing that, I just say, like, I'll put on my own personal calendar that I'll call them back instead of send the invite. I mean, I've gotten a couple, I've gotten a couple uh, bites at that, but usually, usually if you, if you, you know, it's it's tricky when you get the follow up because that's kind of hit or miss. That's why it's so important when you get someone first on the phone, because a lot of the times they're not going to want to keep playing tag with you. It's like they'll want to be real and then they just want to know, OK, are we doing this or not? Right. Like, uh, you know, that's why callbacks <laughs> can be tricky. I know from my experience. Exactly. For sure. So, you know, we've been talking uh, for a little bit now and it's been a lot of good stuff. But if there was any advice, uh, you know, or that you haven't hit or just any pointers that would you give uh, incoming students? Because I'm kind of unique. I was a transfer. Uh, much love to the transfer students. I went to community college. First, it saved me a ton of money. Uh, and I, I went <laughs> to I went to Howard Community College. Uh, go, go HCC. And then I transferred to Stevenson and got finished my uh, bachelor's in business there. So I, I want to ask either some advice for transfers or incoming students. You know, what would you say to them who are just starting out and not sure what their experience is going to be like, you know, the next four years or next couple of years with the COVID situation? What would you tell them? First off, shit's fucking weird right now, okay? <laughs> like, do not feel pressure to to have a certain path like no one knows what the heck is going on right now. Like you, right. There's no wrong answers at this point. Uh, if school, if a school miraculously opens in the fall, live it up. I mean, a big, you hear this from <laughs> everyone who was alumni that it was a fast, the fastest four years ever. And they didn't experience it. If you miraculously get some years of college back, if you're an incoming freshman or transfer, live it up, talk to everyone. Like, <laughs> If you're not in classes, go meet some people for extracurriculars. If you're an if you're an introvert, and you don't want to talk to people. Meet other introverts who are into like gaming or chess or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> like, meet people. Um, but yeah, this is a weird situation. But use this to your advantage. I I would absolutely use this time to be grateful. You know, reach out to friends and family uh, to keep you motivated. Uh, I know. Um, your, your generation, I mean, I say your generation, but like, you know, we're, wow. like, I know, bro, I, I'm 22, but listen, listen up. Here's the deal. I only, I can only say that my college experience ended with COVID y'all are empowered to deal with the challenge of actually starting college with this pandemic. And then there's shit with like a lot like politics right now, like an election. People are not saying that talking about the election coming up. That's how big this year is with a bunch of crazy shit right no one's bringing up the election and it's like july <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so i mean I, it it's <laughs> it's certainly uh an interesting year i mean if you think back january 1 it was certainly not uh the the craziness that we would expect uh right now uh, and i just it's it's incredible how but it's gonna lead to so much opportunity you know if you're grateful enough to not be directly affected 
And even if even if you're economically affected by COVID, I see a lot of people really empowering themselves to work on their brand, to reach out and, you know, find opportunities outside of conventional, like traditional jobs, you know. So it's, uh, you know, make the most of your situation. Um, I know, like, I mean, I probably wouldn't be working at Cyberary if COVID didn't happen because I was going to accept a corporate job. So, you know, it's like I said, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, absolute um, empathy and, you know, respect toward people, especially family members who are being affected by uh, coronavirus. It's unprecedented and it's still very misunderstood. But, um, you know, those of you in a position fortunate enough where you have your health and freedom, I, I highly recommend motivating yourself to find a new path. Yeah, I love that. I couldn't say any better. And yeah, that that's great. And um, just one one last thing to wrap it up here. I gotta I gotta ask. This is something that's uh, gonna be fun. What is what is a fun fact about yourself that not many people know? Um. So, man, <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever I think of fun facts, I think back to this very specific moment where uh, I had a retweet by Josh Peck in 2016 where I, I couldn't think of a yearbook quote. Uh, it was like, do the next day. So I just like <laughs> put down his latest tweet, which was like, don't be humble, be awesomely better than everyone else. It was like the most Josh Peck quote ever. So, you know, Josh Peck from Drake and Josh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I threw that on my yearbook quote, and I posted on Twitter. I was like, yeah, I just thought you'd like to see this. It's pretty cool. And then the next day, we were at graduate. This is two days before graduation. We were at graduation practice. Everyone had their cap and gown on. I see my phone buzz, and it starts to blow up, and I just see, like, notifications, like, left and right and follows. And then I see Josh Peck retweets it saying, hey, that's awesome, man. Keep up the good work. He's like, he's like, he's like Haha, that's awesome, man. I don't know. But I just, my face started turning really red and I was sweating. I was like, holy shit, is this actually happening? <laughs> and that motivated me to get through uh, pretty much the rest of uh, the practice because it was getting really long. And our president <laughs> started, our, our principal started dabbing on stage. It was like really unbearable. So, oh my God. That, that was a great situation. I know it's a random fun fact, but if you want like a consistent fun fact, it's like, uh, shit, man. I, I'm Jewish. I'm born and raised. I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but. Uh, that's that's had a big impact on me growing up. Uh, I, I don't practice that much, but it's a big part of who I am. That, that's awesome. Um, that that's great. And um, you know, as far as uh, that, uh, real quick, what is you know what? How has that like impacted you know your early, like what was that like you know growing up and having that influence um, early on and you know, throughout your life. So Judaism, I think religious wise is what you make it. You know, I, I'm not going to lie and say like, I believe everything and like, you know, <laughs> the, you know, you can talk to Christians and they won't believe everything in the Bible, but it's more about, you know, your faith and like your perspective, right? Like for me, Judaism, and you'll hear this from a lot of people, Judaism is big into like culture, right? Like you're, you're really close relationships with other Jewish people and families. Like I actually went to a, private Hebrew school from when I started doing school and, you know, two-year-old, three-year-olds to up all, all the way until fourth grade. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in a Jewish private school, but that brought you a lot closer with your class, right? You're going to have more intimate teaching. Um, the culture is very, like, you know, close-knit. Um, I think 
I think a lot of what it taught me was just like, uh, you know, there's also like giving back is big in Jewish culture as well, like tzedakah, like the idea of like helping those around you just because, you know, they're your neighbors. But um, after that, you know, like I was obviously like as I grew up and like Judaism had less of an impact on me, it was it, it made me who I was because it surrounded me with the people. Right. And and it kind of, you know, with 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 Judaism, it's pretty understood that like Jews have to sit close together, you know, especially with a lot of their, they're not so great history, as you know, like Jews have just been like uh, isolated and tormented, like through all of world history. So I think uh, it's, it's just a common sense of like bond that you don't, that is pretty unique. Um, so, you know, since high school, um, not much of an impact, but like, obviously I went, I went to go on birthright, a free Israel trip, uh, December of 2018. That was amazing. So like it always has a special place in my heart. I'm not super religious, but um, it's definitely made me help make who I am. That's awesome. That that's fantastic, and I love that. And I've never been out of the country. It's on my uh, things to do and things to explore. What was that experience like for you? We uh, we got to overcome a certain virus first, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, actually, that was me. Literally before Israel, I didn't wasn't out of the country until that was my first. Uh, foreign experience and I think everyone should travel the world not because I'm bragging about how I'm bougie and I have privilege but <laughs> but literally leaving the country opens your eyes to so much uh, I know I know a lot of people don't actually have stereotypes in their head about like people in France holding baguettes and you know having fancy mustaches but there we all, all it, this is very natural if you grow up in a country and you don't explore and see what's out there you're going to have perceptions of things that are skewed not just people you're going to have perceptions of situations and places that are skewed so naturally by going out there and talking to people in entirely different worlds you're really going to create a more accurate perception and not only is that going to feel fulfilling and it's also fun exploring the world having an accurate perception helps combat bigotry it helps you be a more open-minded person and and, it, and you don't really have, I mean, most people don't have one moment where like they travel the country and it's like, hey, wow, I'm actually not a racist asshole now. No, <laughs> it's it's a very gradual kind of, you know, process. Like I learned a lot in Israel, but when I went to Austria uh, this past summer, I also learned a lot as well from their culture, like Europeans in general, you know, like the individualism versus collectivism, just what the social norms, history, it's, it's all just really eye-opening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, this conversation has been great. I think I, I appreciate you coming on, and it, it was a great conversation. Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute blast, Adam. <laughs> yeah, man. If uh, if anybody wants to reach out, uh, what's the best way to connect? Uh, oh, man. Shout out to my Twitter. You got Mitnick, man. It's a private one, but I'm down to follow. Used to be public, <laughs> but I'm in that professional life now. Uh, even though all my comments can be seen after this podcast publicly, but you, you know what it is. It's, we got two sides of every story. I feel like I was pretty genuine here though. Uh, the Nick man on the Twitter, uh, shit. I mean, when I'm on the spot like this, uh, 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 I mean, reach, reach out. How about reach, LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. Joshua Mitnick on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know, man. I wish I had like a brand or something to promote, uh, no, you're promoting it right now, man. That's what it's all about. Hey, hey, LinkedIn. it's about the image. Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn, hey, you know, LinkedIn. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start my own podcast, and it's gonna be better than yours. That that's my brand. 
Okay. Wow. <laughs> that's, wow. That's, my, that's my brand. Okay. Wow. So, so you guys wow. better watch out because there's going to be <laughs> some real force against the force real soon. Okay. Wow. Some competition. <laughs> Man. Um, uh, shout out to Jules, one of my best friends. He he might be listening, but if you didn't make it this far, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but I really appreciate you coming on this evening. Um, I know there's a ton of stuff going on, um, you know, with COVID and different things. But guys and girls, listen to what Josh is saying. And every gender. Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, Josh. Open-minded. Exactly. That's what we're all about here. And from Josh really put the nose to the grind from not getting accepted to JMU to keep going after it. And then just that knack for, for her persistence is really something uh, to take. If, if nothing else, that persistence attitude, please take away that. Right. Yeah. You, you've, you've actually, you actually possess it as well. Like I definitely see that in you as like, you have that drive, you have the people skills, you have the drive, you know, I, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, especially the podcast you got going on, sharing everyone's experiences and uh, giving a positive message. It's really, really something that will have more impact now because I think a lot of people are feeling negativity from their own bad mindset. It's not their fault. I mean, being in isolation and not having the normal, just having a lot of traditions trampled by our situation is really tough. So I think your podcast is like part of that great movement of, you know, persistence. Yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate that, Josh. And yeah. I appreciate you coming on this evening. And uh, yeah, man, that that'll do it. That'll wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Uh, uh, follow my future podcast, uh, unnamed. <laughs> uh, insert title here. Uh, uh, in fact, you can just like uh, cancel this subscription. And just have <laughs> you wow. might as well. <laughs> wow, Josh, Josh. Oh man, oh man, it's, wow. it's okay. We're laughing. We're totally joking. <laughs> man, maybe yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna have you a guest on my podcast. We're gonna have Shaquille O'Neal and Beyonce will be guests too. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you personally know those? You personally? No, know but like I think the clout will help me with my contact. So. Okay. Let. Hey, you know it would be a, a friendly competition. <laughs> yeah friendly get... i'm joking you know uh, get... really i mean quick comment like you know uh i was i was actually joking with uh ryan Corey because i was like you know there's a famous hacker from the 80s who still does work in cyber <laughs> named kevin mitnick are you familiar with him adam no i'm not so if you if anyone at home can google kevin mitnick read his story super interesting oh my you know, he, he used to he did a lot of uh he did a lot of uh, hacking against the government, went to jail, I'm pretty sure, for a few years. And like and now and then he did some pen testing for the government. He was like he was like the world's most wanted hacker for a while. For a while. So um, you know, it would be cool to have him at like a cyberary podcast and come back because he's like the biggest he was the biggest name. So so hey, we'll get some Kevin Mitnick uh, action going on here, Adam. Yeah, you know, if you do start that podcast, we'll have to see who gets uh, the most uh, famous person on first. I know. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna measure it by that. Nothing. Because <laughs> like my I, I, my person has five hundred thousand Twitter followers, and my person has six hundred. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I first started the podcast, and, and I got to give a shout out to my inspiration, Colin Cowherd. If you guys don't know What's who that is, Colin Cowherd. He's a he's a radio host. He he he's phenomenal. Like he's able 
to talk and he like he doesn't have anybody else do his show but he has like a producer but he's like the ship and he doesn't have like co-hosts and he does it like mainly by himself and i like i used to do a radio show back in community college and i always i always liked having a co-host because it just made it you know having somebody else on instead of just talking to me it's it's more fun and it's more enjoyable for me to interview somebody and get their story out than me just talking about something i mean i when i first started this podcast i was talking about things topics going on in the world and trying to spread positivity was your format originally solo it was but don't you think this is more fun well, I, I would, unless you're in a niche or a specific field of interest, I would find it hard for that, you know, or, or if you're an ex, let's say like you're an ex, like, let's say you're an ex NBA player, then I wouldn't mind listening to like a solo podcast. Right. But like, I, I kind of see where your head's at, where, because you really do have these fluent conversations. Like it's, it's more engaging. I agree. For sure. All right, Josh. Well, I appreciate you taking the time tonight and uh, we'll wrap it up here. So, I appreciate you coming on and uh, take care. Hey, not a problem, Adam. Have a good one. And thanks everyone for listening.